0: Commission, it's August 28th. Um, the first item on the agenda is a roll call. Yes. <laughs> uh, Commissioner Dickinson. Present. Present.
1: Commissioner Desser. Commissioner Lynn. Present.
0: here great thank you we are small but we are mighty today <laughs> um, uh, minutes from uh, the revised minutes from july 31st and our minutes from august 14th if anyone wants to make a motion to approve or discuss
2: i'll make a motion to approve
0: great I'll second okay uh, all in favor all right great, great. Um uh do any of the commissioners have any communications that they would like to report to the commission? Okay, hearing none. Move on to the director's report. Um, Hi Jeremy. Oh, sorry. So, um, you just reapproved the July 31st minutes but the August 14th. Will be awesome. Oh right, we need to move right separately. Thank mm-hmm. you. Sure. Thank you, Cindy. Okay, so we we moved in and voted on the July the revised thirty-first minutes, um, August fourteenth minutes. Move approval. Second, okay. All in favor. Aye. 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 Thank you so much, Cindy, for staying on top of. That. Just further by yeah, I'm because I wasn't present during that meeting. Right. Thank so you. I'm you. Thank you, Claudia. Okay. So, Commissioner Miraiz stands. Okay. Thank you, Jeremy.
3: Good afternoon, commissioners. Um, the um, upcoming schedule is still a work in progress. Um, nothing has changed since the last time I uh, gave that to you a couple of weeks ago, but it will be changing in the near future, so I'll be following up hopefully later this week with um, the upcoming schedule for uh, the hopefully most of the remaining meetings in the fall. Um, so I have nothing to update you on in the, for the moment. Um, With that, and maybe we can move on to the next item, which is uh, kind of an update to the board's um, adopted work plan for the planning division. This is not something that we've done in the past, but I think it's probably a good idea because it lets you know what to expect, also what we're working on. Um, So if you can bring up that presentation. All right. So... Every couple of years, the Board of Supervisors adopts work plans for every different agency within the county. Uh, And of course, within the um, agency are the programs and the sections such as the planning division. So in this most recent update, um, they indicated that they wanted us to work on a number of uh, major initiatives, which I'll go over. But I thought before then, we could just talk a little bit about the organization itself. So if you can move on to the next slide, please. Some of you may have seen this before, but the county mission is, the mission of the county of Marin is to provide excellent services that support healthy, safe, and sustainable communities, preserve Marin's unique environmental heritage, and encourage meaningful participation in the governance of the county by all. Next slide, please. The CDA also has a mission, a little bit more brief, but similar in lots of ways. The Community Development Agency is dedicated to promoting, protecting, and advancing healthy, safe, and equitable communities. That's a more recent one, but I think it sums up what we're doing here pretty well. Next slide, please. So, in terms of the planning division, um, I like to think of the organizational culture and values as kind of the base for everything else that we do. Um, and so, of course, One of the key uh, values that we have is professionalism. And professionalism, I think, is a couple of main areas. One, obviously, is expertise. We're constantly educating ourselves, working to improve and develop our expertise about the subject matter that we're responsible for. But it's also about integrity. And we try to always be responsive to the community and bring that uh, feeling of integrity um, to everything that we do. Public service is another crucial component of everything that we do. A lot of times, we think of customer service, uh, where you know we work with people, applicants, and stakeholders a variety of perspectives, um, and that's obviously very, very important. But public service is actually a broader concept, and is really not just the you know face-to-face time that we might have with a customer, but it's also thinking about uh, a broader perspective. Uh, and the positive impact that we can have over the coming years or even generations. So it has that kind of broader perspective. Um, And of course, equity, diversity, and inclusion um, needs to inform everything that we do. And um, I think celebrating diversity is not only the right thing to do, but it's the smart thing to do. We benefit by it every day. Uh, Makes us better at providing that public service. It makes us more innovative as an organization. So it's something that we very highly value. So these three basic values really kind of inform everything else that we do. Next slide, please. So the planning division is made up of um, a variety of different sections. Um, I'll just point out a few here just to kind of give some of you the kind of understanding of how the structure works. Um, So long-range planning um, is a section that is really focused on the development of policies and programs. The countywide plan, uh, the um, airport land use plan updates, um, regulatory upla- updates such as um, the development code, um, a variety of things which are not necessarily project related but are really longer term programs and policies. Environmental planning is a separate section. Environmental planning in the county is really about the California Environmental Quality Act and to a lesser extent the National Environmental Policy Act. Um, Both of these are complicated laws and our environmental planning section works for the planning division in this regard but also really leads the environmental planning efforts for the entire county. So they'll be reviewing um, environmental impact reports from DPW or the Parks Department They really have a central coordinating role, which goes beyond just the planning division. There's current planning, which, of course, you're familiar with, because most often you're seeing current planners up here dealing with appeals. Um, But current planners deal with um, development review and working on the counter. Um, Those are the two kind of main facets. It's um, essentially uh, um, funded mostly by uh, fees rather than general fund. Um, except for the counter, which, of course, is is more general funded. Uh, And then we have code enforcement. Uh, Code enforcement is uh, responsible not just for zoning (laughs) compliance, but also compliance for um, the requirements of the Building and Safety Division related to building permits um, and requirements of the Environmental Health Services Division related to uh land use issues such as septic and water wells um as well as other issues such as uh, consumer protection that in, that uh, ehs um, addresses um, we're beginning to actually have code enforcement do some work um, related to department of public works standards uh, in particular related to environmental protection um, so there are some erosion control um, if uh, work occurs within a stream area then uh, that requires a creek permit from DPW, um, then our code enforcement will be involved with that. So we're expanding that a little bit to try to, to really hone in on some of the environmental protection measures that are necessary. Um, and then, of course, we also have our administrative services. Um, they support all of our staff in every way. We really can't do anything else without all of their help so that kind of breaks down the the more or less the structure of the planning division into these um, five different um five different sections now to move on to uh the boards of supervisors priorities next uh, there we, there we go thank you so the board of supervisors has a number of priorities um some of them are not closely related to the planning division's work but there are a number that really are actually perhaps more of the board's priorities are related to what we do than any other um, organization within the county affordable housing and homelessness a clear priority of the board getting more and more important every year climate change and sea level rise um, we have ongoing programs to try to address some of these issues uh, and um, work closely with department the department of public works on these as well emergency preparedness uh, we work with our fire departments our department of public work especially in development review to make sure that the emergency preparedness, whether it's evacuation routes or getting fire hydrants in the right place, um, are addressed in that process. And then racial equity. And I think you know this is often closely associated with affordable housing and homelessness as well, um, because socioeconomic differences um, are so closely related to those diff- uh, racial differences. So we continue to try to improve in, in all of these areas. Next slide, please. So the board has adopted a number of uh, key um, goals. Uh, first, prepare and submit an application to the California Coastal Commission to amend the local coastal program to incorporate relevant sections of the housing element and the related development code amendments, as well as policies and regulations related to environmental hazards. These are really kind of two separate things, actually, even though it's a single goal. Um, and will probably um, be made up by two separate um, uh, proposals to the Coastal Commission. Uh, the environmental hazards uh, is uh, a portion of the LCP that was not updated with the rest of the LCP and we've continued to work um, and kind of fits and starts with the Coastal Commission on updating those and uh, we are going to be approaching this issue again in the near future, um, likewise, There's um, a number of amendments um, far more significant in scope um, related to the housing element that we also need to make in our local coastal program. Uh, And we have not yet begun that process. But just to kind of back you up a little bit in terms of how these things are going, your commission looked at some LCP cleanups a while back. Um, Those cleanups were approved and then went more forward to the Board of Supervisors board of supervisors also approved them and gave us permission to move forward to the coastal commission and i think next week the coastal commission will be hearing those as well it's de minimis um so there may or may not be a hearing but we do expect their uh, commission to approve those cleanups um, with support of the coastal commission staff and that's really going to create kind of the foundation for us to do these other two things Um, so once that's done Um, we'll have uh, additional work on the hazards elements begin and then also related to the housing element, we need to make some changes there as well. Next slide, please. Uh, The next goal, too, is amend the development code and update development review processes to incorporate procedures needed to implement new zoning and countywide plan policies adopted as part of the housing element update and safety element update. So uh, the, the first piece of this is really a set of amendments um, related to the housing element. You may remember that we made a number of um, changes to the development code as part of the housing element process, but we didn't make all the changes. Um, it wasn't clear what was gonna happen at the board or at your commission, so there are policies in there that need to be implemented through zoning code amendments so we're working on those now uh, manny is going to be drafting those publishing them and then we're hoping to bring those to your commission this fall or maybe early winter um, and once that's done that will probably then lead into additional work related to the lcp but we're going to get them, uh, get those changes made to the development code before we um, publish anything related to the lcp and the housing element so that's how things are going to go. So you're starting to see how things are sort of lining up in front of your commission over the next several months. You've got a number of major initiatives that are kind of falling out from the work on the housing element um, and the safety element last year, um, and those are going to start stacking up into your in, into your agendas. Don't have exact dates yet, but we're going to see some pretty soon. Uh, next slide, please. Goal three update the Airport Land Use Compatibility Plan by December 2024, incorporating current state practices for airport land use compatibility to enable assessment and mitigation of airport safety and noise in the evaluation of proposed housing. It's a mouthful. Um, our Airport Land Use Plan is woefully out of date. We've needed to update it for a number of years. Um, the, the, board, the, uh, dep- um, sorry, the Department of Public Works, which runs Nosfield. Um, recently updated um, some of their um, policies and programs, giving us the ability to finally engage with this um, update of the airport land use plan. So that's what we're planning on doing, and RFP is out now. We are hoping to get um, proposals together in the next couple of weeks, and then we'll be making um, some decisions. Don't expect this to hit your uh, schedule anytime soon. There's a lot of work that needs to be done over the next year or two, uh, including some level of environmental review. But this is out there in the horizon just wanted to let you know that we're actively addressing these these issues we'll update we update you on this after the contract is accepted um, next slide please goal four streamline the environmental review process consistent consistent with the housing element and sca ordinance and amend the county's environmental impact review guidelines as necessary and appropriate Um, The county's environmental guidelines are old. They're out of date. Um, They no longer reflect the state guidelines in CEQA. And um, so we've been struggling along, but we do need to modify them and bring them into alignment with state law uh, and make some other streamlining measures as well. Um, We have yet to start that, but the process is going to be begun this this fall. Um, And probably we're talking about in the spring or maybe summer before anything hits your schedule on that. Next slide, please. Uh, and finally, uh, collaborate with the Marin Wildfire Prevention Authority in the identification and mapping of roads that do not meet current emergency access and evacuation standards and identify and prioritize corrective actions. Uh, so, we'll be working with the MWPA on this. Um, as we all heard during the housing element process, evacuation routes are a primary concern when you're talking about increasing density especially when you're talking about increasing density in, um, in areas that are currently mostly just uh, detached single-family. So we're going to be working with the MDBPA on this effort. Um, they uh, have been working on this, I think, for about a year now. Um, I'm not sure of the current timeline for publishing the, um, the draft uh, maps and, and studies, but um, hopefully that will be later um, this fall or, or this winter and um, we may have to look at amendments to our code to address some of the issues that they, that they raise um, in going through that process. Next slide, please. Goal six, bring a proposed ordinance regulating short-term rentals to the Board of Supervisors and Coastal Commission by May of 2024. So uh, you've looked at this um, set of issues already. We're in the process of drafting uh the um amendments to the develop not the development code but the Marin county code related to licensing procedures and other procedures and short-term rentals uh we're hoping to go uh out publicly with those changes in the next month or so and then it'll be scheduled uh, for your commission shortly thereafter uh next slide please goal seven Conduct a three-year Stinson Beach Adaptation and Resilience Collaboration Adaptation Planning Project, by its mouthful, to analyze the accelerating impacts of sea level rise and beach erosion and evaluate adaptation strategies. So uh, there has been ongoing work on this. Uh, There has been a study issued already, um, which kind of looks at some of the um, vulnerabilities uh and the natural resources attached to um, the area around Stinson Beach. And um, they're continuing to do outreach. In fact there was a event this past weekend uh where they talked to about a hundred people about um, you know how they value the beach, how they use the beach. Uh and um, the next step in this is our consultants are going to be working on a variety of ideas for adaptation over the long term related to sea level rise. Um, this is a study so it doesn't necessarily need any kind of resolution or anything like that but um, it probably will be brought to your commission um, before it's completed uh, and that's not going to be for at least a year so nothing that's going to hit your schedule right away Uh, next slide please so just to give you a heads up Um, there is a state law which was enacted last year which requires that we update our um, parks and open space element in the countywide plan uh, by 2026 so we're going to start to work with um, the parks department on uh, how to do that and i would anticipate there's probably going to be some changes and um, perhaps some level of environmental review that's also associated with that Um, at the same time we're going to go through the countywide plan we're going to be looking for any changes that need to be made related to internal consistency or consistency with state law, if there's any things that need to be updated or cleaned up. We don't anticipate this is going to be a major set of amendments, but um, since we're doing the parks and open space element, we're, we're going to take a look at the rest of it as well and see if there's anything that needs to be updated. So that's just going to, on the tap, that's not, that's not going to be hitting your schedule for at least a year um, and probably more like two. Next slide, please. Um, so that's it. Um, do you, any of you have any questions about upcoming work or some of the goals and, and policies that we have?
1: The implementation of the housing element code amendments, are, are any of those of state guidelines, or not, not guidelines, deadlines, um, or funding? Are they? Or is it all local initiative?
3: um well in general I think it's local initiative Um, there's nothing specifically related to funding that I know of but I mean I would hesitate to say that none of it's related to funding because you know uh, you know there's a lot of funding opportunities that come up related to housing and safety so um, in general though no it's really related to what our housing element says in terms of the programs uh, and policies that are are embedded in it and um, You know what we need to do to actually bring our development code in line with those programs and policies
1: so there are no additional mandated deadlines from the state that we have to make
3: not that i'm aware of no mr
0: dickinson
4: um yes jeremy when we had the workshop on short-term rentals i thought it was described that we had to or the goal was for the county to complete including board adoption a short-term rental ordinance for the coastal zone to get it to the coastal commission so that they would be able to act on it before the county moratorium expired in May the mm-hmm. chart here showed may as a deadline but as i recall it was actually the i mean within a relatively a few months at this point but
3: yeah that's right because we need to get ccc approval before we can actually adopt it. So what you're going to see is you're going to see an ordinance, which is a draft ordinance, which you're going to review, and then you're going to give a resolution to the board recommending that they review it, and they're going to review it, and they're going to say whether they like it or not, and then they're going to pass a resolution giving us permission to actually submit it to the California Coastal Commission. But they're not going to approve it. Once it goes right. to the California Coastal Commission, we want to be able to get that um ordinance back because the ccc make may make changes that the board wants to evaluate so we're going to get that back and at that point then the board will be positioned to approve it so there's a lot of back and forth when you're making an application to the california coastal commission so i mean the may date is out there but in reality i mean we need to move this along very fast and um, so, you know, that's why we're working on drafting this and getting it out this month, and then we'll be scheduling okay. it to, uh, at your commission, um, you know, this fall.
4: Yeah, that, w- that was my recollection, was it be within the next couple of months we'd have to deal with that. Um, and just to comment, um, it would be helpful for me at least to have a copy of the organizational chart with the names on it because a lot of times we see people and they don't know exactly what their capacity is. And
3: yeah. Yeah. It was um, slide five, I think. We have a, a recent a very recent change um which will update the organizational chart and then I can send it out to you uh, by the end of the week.
0: I actually think the first five slides would be would be great.
3: I send you the whole thing.
0: Great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. it should be included in a you know planning commission primer.
3: <laughs>
4: right.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So actually, yeah,
5: go
4: ahead. Uh back to the calendar. Um Jeremy, are we still anticipating having the second phase of Oakview subdivision come to us next meeting? Yeah. Okay. The
3: eighty page resolution uh, is on its way. Okay.
0: <laughs> Would appreciate it if that could come out before the Monday that the of the meeting this time. That'd be awesome.
1: And, and also relative to that, is there Another opportunity to meet staff out at the site? I mean, we did, many of us did look at it, but we didn't really look at that sector of the.
3: Okay. Yeah, yeah, I can talk to Megan about that and we can set something up. It was really helpful. Sure. Yeah, Yeah, you have to have hard hats and something, right?
4: And, um, Jeremy, a couple of meetings ago, I think I requested that periodically would be updated on the SB35, SB330 applications that are pending. I have a lot of people ask me what's going on. We only have a couple as far as I know. There's yep. Marin City, there's Lucas Valley, and there's, a, I guess, the strawberry one. But um, And there are, like, short deadlines. I go look online, and it doesn't tell me. I mean, like, the county staff had 30 days to evaluate the preliminary application and then presumably you send a letter to the applicant. We do not. I can't find any of that on, on the web, the County website, but
3: yeah, sure. So number one, SB 35 doesn't apply in the County right now. Um, SB 330, we do have what you mentioned. There's a, there's a few that are out there. Um, But when the County receives those, these are not complete applications. And it's hard for us to even describe I mean, they meet the standards for the state law, but it's hard for us to even describe them. We do not respond to them. Uh, So you don't,
4: because I know, for instance, San Rafael, within 30 days, they send a letter out saying you've complied with the state requirements, you have a vested right for your preliminary project plus 20% more units and 20% uh, bigger buildings. It's a form letter that, that they actually use, but they have to do it within the 30 days.
3: But. Right. But our advice from council is to not respond to them. So I thought it was tribal, tribal notification. Right. No, that's SB 35, which does not occur. I thought
1: it was 330 yeah.
2: as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point, with 1501, I'm sorry.
3: Yeah, I mean, the tribal consulta- consultation may take place once they actually submit a formal application.
1: Yeah, they're they're just basically notifying us that they intend to process three Yeah. And they still have to file a a formal pre-application. Yeah, exactly. any of that gets triggered. Yeah,
3: that's true. That's B-35, even if it applied to us, right? Yeah, either one. That's true. Yeah, I'm sorry. I I uh, I just
2: uh, wanted uh, to double-check. Now, uh, it's understood, at that uh, 1501 Lucas Valley Road, there's no application pending at this point. That was just a... A preliminary proposal that was made. Yeah,
3: exactly. It's a 330 notification to us that they intend to um, submit. It does
1: establish
3: their vesting. It establishes their vesting. That's really the purpose. That's really the purpose, exactly, yeah. Right. So it freezes the regulations that are in place. But they're not advised
4: that they have vested their preliminary application? There's no determinate. Okay. I can just say that in terms of the tribal tribal uh, consultation, that San Rafael has had an awful time getting the Greaton Tribe to respond. It's gone on for months trying to get them to even do anything. But Mm -hmm.
0: any other questions or comments for Jeremy? Okay. Um, All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jeremy. Uh, Now's the time for uh, open time for public expression. That is time for any members of the public who would like to address the commission on items that are not on our agenda. Uh, I don't see anybody here, so let's move on to item four, the Marin County Development Code amendments. Hello, Lili and Molly, I assume.
3: So I'm going to turn it over to uh, Lili Thomas and Molly Cron to uh, present the... Um, changes to the development code related to inclusionary requirements. Yeah,
6: Actually, we have a presentation to display as well. So, all right, here we go. Uh, good afternoon, commissioners and member of the public. My name is Molly Krohn, and I'm a senior planner with the Community Development Agency. Today we are holding, uh, next slide, Today, we are holding a public hearing regarding development code um, amendments related to inclusionary housing and commercial linkage policies. And this is a follow-up to the workshop that was held on August 14th, um, where my colleague, Jillian Zeiger and Lily Thomas presented to your commission. Um, today's hearing, we will review additional modifications that were made based on feedback received by your commission at the workshop. Um, we will hear public testimony, and then we ask your commission to consider a resolution recommending these development code changes to the Board of, Board of Supervisors, um, which we intend to take on September 12th. Next slide. Before we get into the changes, um, I do want to do, provide a brief overview of the process that led us here, um, for anyone who wasn't able to attend the August 14th workshop, so we'll do that really quickly. Um, At the the workshop on the 14th, the commission heard a proposed proposed development code changes. We also provided, staff provided an overview of the process leading to these changes. We solicited your feedback um, and clarified information to help you all understand the development code changes um, and the intent around them. Next slide. The proposed uh, amendments are a... A product of a process that included a cross-jurisdictional partnership between jurisdictions, cities and towns um, across Marin County. This was through um, initiated through the Marin Housing Working Group, uh, which includes all of the jurisdictions in, in Marin County, the planning directors and housing staff. Um, This project was identified as a priority for SB2 funds, um, which is the Building Jobs and Homes Act, and allocated funding to jurisdictions to help put in place policies to support housing development. Next slide. There were seven jurisdictions that participated in this initiative overall. As you can see on this slide, there are several jurisdictions that had existing policies that are updating them. And there are a few that did not have policies in place that are adopting them for the first time. Next slide. So the project engaged a consulting firm, Strategic Economics, to develop, design, and develop two studies that are informing these development code changes. Uh, These studies employed best practices uh, around inclusionary. They looked at varying market patterns in the county, uh, the financial feasibility of inclusionary requirements on development projects. A key part of this was also stakeholder feedback. So we held a number of listening sessions with both market rate developers as well as affordable housing developers. Um, Interestingly, some of the uh, feedback that we heard is that some of the challenges for developers are the inconsistency of inclusionary policies around the county. Um, So a goal of this initiative has really been to create consistency in policies from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. And then lastly, ensuring legal compliance with state law. Next slide. Following the workshop on August 14th, staff took feedback, heard from your commission, and made additional modifications to the proposed development code changes. For the purposes of this discussion, we will sort of bucket those into four categories. First, clarifications and corrections. Next is under definitions. Um, There's a category of preserving original text. And then also, a a recommendation or feedback that has been reviewed and and staff are um, recommending that we maintain language consistent with what the change is. Next slide. So to dive into the clarifications uh, and corrections, one of the feedback that we heard from you all was clarifying the applicability of the affordable housing impact fee as it relates to inclusionary projects. And while the development code language states that affordable housing impact fee wouldn't be applicable to inclusionary um, projects, it doesn't mean that they wouldn't be subject to other fees. So we added some clarifying language around that there may be other fees may apply to the project. In addition, um, there was concern around the standards, um, there not being clear standards around uh, approving a project with units that weren't dispersed throughout the project, so we added clarifying language to ad- uh, address that concern. Further, um, we heard from your commission concerns around interior finishes and the potential to. P- to harm a project or increase costs by requiring a market rate or a project to have the same finishes for market rate units as well as inclusionary units. So we further defined or delineated that finishes should be similar but not the same. And a key element of uh, concern also, or confusion rather, was the use of the term above-moderate income. So staff have modified the above-moderate income um, and put in place middle income to delineate between market rate units and the units that are specifically identified in this bracket, which is 120% of the area median income to 150%. So it's not market rate, but it's middle income. Next slide. The second bucket of changes, additional modifications relates to definitions. There was a request to include a definition for affordable housing impact fee, which was done. Um, And in addition, there was a request to move language that describes the process for annual fees being adjusted, or the process for fees being adjusted annually into the definitions and removed from the chapter code itself, um, which we did prepare. Um, in the documents that were disseminated to the the commission. Next slide. However, subsequent to sending those materials to your commission, um, staff reflected more deeply on this language in the development code definitions um, and, and having them in there at all. And so what we would like your commission to consider is the, removing those, that language that describes a process for annually adjusting fees from the definitions. Um, and the reason for this is that um, having that language is not um, defining any sort of aspect of the Chapter 2222 specifically. Um, it's a function that is adopted by the Board of Supervisors, can be modified by the Board of Supervisors. And by having that language in there, it creates the possibility of inconsistencies in the future if the board changes their mind um, or changes policy on how that annual adjustment is implemented. Um, And so for just simplicity, we ask that you consider removing that language entirely. Next slide. There was a request specifically around preserving text um, in the development code Uh, pertaining to the review authority. Um, We had proposed changing review authority to director and have changed that back, um, in acknowledgement of the idea or the reality that in some cases the review authority is at the staff level and in some cases it's at the commission level. Next slide. And then our final modification um, that was considered and not included is with regard to defining county or its designee. And this is around the implementation of inclusionary units um, and the use of a designee to income qualify, potential homeowners. Um, The request was to define who that designee is. However, after reflecting on it more and discussing, staff would like to recommend that the commission leave the language as it is, um, because that designee could change. Um, by way of board-adopted contract or resolution, and we wouldn't want to um, create an unnecessary inconsistency uh, in the development code itself. Next slide. And with that, I'll open it up to the commission for questions.
4: Thanks, Molly.
0: Anyone have any questions for Molly?
4: Commissioner Dickinson. I have a a couple questions. And one is that... um, uh, last time I didn't notice, and I assume this is a carryover from the last um, um, the, the workshop draft that we saw, um, for ownership units, it's based on the, the ability to pay uh, using a limit of 35 percent of the income. And it used to be it typically was 30. Most programs use 30. I mean, I think it makes sense, but is that a new change or is that something that came out of the study? Or
6: it's actually consistent with our past policy and with um, sort of the the direction of the field. Um, so for rentals, it's a 30%, thirty percent, and then for home ownership, it's thirty-five percent, and it's an acknowledgement that there are um, other costs associated with home ownership that one needs to be able to financially. Um, sub- substantiate and afford, um, and that typically homeowners are in a in a different sort of economic bracket.
4: Right. No, I, and I think it makes a lot of sense because, particularly in a high housing cost area, people pay more than thirty percent, which has historically been like the federal standard that applies countrywide. And, um, but it, is it a change? You said it. We have been using thirty-five. It's a strikeout in. This version. So I thought it was being changed from thirty to thirty-five. Um, really quickly. I was just curious. I hadn't seen it before, and it was in strikeout this time.
6: Um, so that that. Um, so it's the twenty-two twenty-two zero eight zero. D. is that what you're referencing what page are you on page call? six Yeah. so that section um, previously described it, it didn't delineate between 30 and 35% and it actually described um, that our affordable house that our requirements were at 60% of 30% AMI so this would be a change to that
4: Um, And then I had a question, and this is page 11, and And it wasn't clear whether this was an intentional um, change under requirements um, uh, post-approval before issuance of construction permits. In many places we use building permits. And I just wondered whether that was an intentional difference. And thinking about like a project in the pipeline now, um, the assisted living project at at um Oakview, they have to build a bridge and they have to do a lot of grading and build an earth berm and all Before they get to the point of actually building any buildings, that construction permit, in my interpretation, would include anything: grading permit, bridge construction permit. Is that is what is intended? That's how we would interpret it too. Okay,
1: including demolition.
4: Yes. Okay, and was intentional to say it that way. It's not just in a lot of places we refer to prior to the issuance of a building permit, but in this place, in this case, it uses the word construction permit.
6: I think it it was not necessarily intentional to deviate from language used um, throughout other aspects of the development code, and um, I think we would be fine changing construction permit to building permit um, for consistency purposes. You didn't, so it it
1: would. Re- make at, the requirement at, occur more quickly, and that mm-hmm. might be a problem sometimes for funding.
3: Actually, I mean, there's a lot of work that goes on, including subdivision improvements related to a, a grading permit, and not a building permit. So you're pretty far in by the time you get to a building permit. <laughs> so, that you know, the idea here was to move it up a little bit, and this is just for the affordable housing plan to be submitted. Um, it's up to you, we can do it either way, but um, we. You know this this was intentional
4: okay um, it was intentional that was basically my question we can talk about it
3: so we can talk about that.
1: I have one question this yes is Commissioner Linde mm-hmm. I noticed maybe I just didn't notice this before but it's in strikeout language you've added in references several on several pages to certificates of occupancy as a trigger Is that a, is that a change I
6: so, um, and this is in the definitions.
1: And also, one other. Flag. I'm sorry, I should have written down the page numbers. It's a, it occurs in a couple of places. Um, it occurs on page eight. It's not in definitions. That's on up and below the tables there, where it's talking about lots developed with primary residence and a certificate of occupancy issued at least five years prior to subdivision approval.
6: Sure. So that specific change is because the the past usage identified a very specific date of July 13th, 2006, um, as being exempt from the inclusionary requirement. And through consultation with staff, um, we tried to identify where that date derived from. And it was around. um, It was adopted at a time when there was a a specific project. Um, that was being examined um, but given that that date is so far out and um, staff would like to propose that we have a more sort of moving target a more to be um, to con- consistently apply the, the development code um, looking at uh, homes that were built within five years previous and having received their their certificate of occupancy um, so you could, you know, apply for a project and not build it for several years. Yeah. Um, and so what we want to know is that the home was built, it, was, it w- received its final certification, certificate of occupancy, um, and has been in the housing market in order for it to be exempt. And,
1: mm-hmm. and so finding that period of vesting, essentially.
3: I wouldn't call that vesting. Yeah it, it's they not don't
1: vest till building permit,
3: really. yeah vesting is you know is a foundation inspection so it's vested way before 5 years but this is i think more the fact that it's actually been on the it's been part of the housing stock okay. not just vested
6: to prevent um, developers from identifying a loophole to p- not have to be subject to the inclusionary. So they could, if we didn't have certificate of occupancy identified here, they could, and we utilize their submission of an application, um, they could submit an application, wait five years and not have built it and potentially bypass the inclusionary policy altogether.
7: There was one thing that I wanted to note is this isn't a change from the version that you saw last time. It's, I think that we carried through the strike throughs from last time, which may not be your typical practice. That's a cumulative but, red line? Yeah, um. the red line is from, is red line from the original. So I think that we may, didn't do what your normal practice is, which I think we typically accept those changes. No. And then only show the new ones?
3: No, we, no. we, as, as, this is part of the resolution, so we always show the track changes okay. from, from the original text
1: probably didn't notice it before, but it—but it's an interesting explanation and useful to understand. Thank you.
0: And
2: Commissioner Stepanis. Yes, one follow-up question on the uh, definition of affordable housing impact fee. Is the current staff recommendation then to simply delete the updating process as described in the uh, condition, but you would still leave in the first sentence with respect to the fee. So then with respect to that though, the way this is, is uh, stated, it says a fee initially set by the Board of Supervisors, assessor residential development. That's not part of a subdivision. But wouldn't there still need to be some reference there to, or as may be amended in the future? Because by just leaving the first sentence by itself, it ends up saying the fee is as initially established or as set by the Board of Supervisors. So I would agree there's no need to get into the details of that process. I may change over time. But I think there has to be some reference to the fact that the fee will be as initially established and as may be amended you know, with respect to whatever process the county has in place at that point in time.
6: We would also be in, it would also be inclusive of the final sentence of that definition as well. The payment of any applicable fees mm-hmm. shall be due right. prior to the issu- yes. issuance of certificate yes. of occupancy. So what page is that on? It's um,
1: on
6: page two, page two of the definitions.
2: And then also, uh, in describing the fee as uh, one for residential development that's not part of a subdivision, but even if it's part of a subdivision, when th- if there's a fractional unit, wouldn't th- the fee be paid on the, on the fractional unit, or am I misunderstanding that?
6: So um, it dep- it, with the new development code changes, it would depend on the size of the development. So if it was a four-unit subdivision, Um, or less it would pay a fractional percentage um, and part of the process of going to the Board of Supervisors would be adopting what that inclusionary fee would be and that is um, what the fractional percentage would be tied to um, and not the affordable housing impact fee so the affordable housing impact fee is applied on a per square footage basis whereas the inclusionary fee is a per unit basis
2: Yeah. thanks for explanation
0: Any other questions for staff or Molly or Commissioner Dickinson?
4: Um, I had uh, something that came up when I was reading an article that kind of shocked me and that was the effect of the rising mortgage interest rates and the article indicated that um, the house you could have bought two years ago is now going to be almost exactly twice as expensive. Well, when we're looking at inclusionary for sale prices, it seems to me that that means, because the interest rates are so much higher, the mortgage is twice what it would have been, that then the sales price goes down significantly. So what may have been a sales price in the past at 100% of median income, um, 250000 now it's 125000 It looks, It sounds to me like the effect of the mortgage interest rate changes has significantly increased the subsidy that developer, and I'm not objecting to this, but just making sure I understand it, that developers would have to pay. So like under that circumstance, they would now, or they'd have to sell it for like half the price, they would have been able to sell it two years ago when the mortgage rates were... Three and a half percent. And they were significant. Is that correct?
6: Yes, and I think that's part of the reason why these development code changes are important for our developers and for projects to proceed, because what these development code changes is they create more flexibility for the developers. Our past uh, policy was that all inclusionary units were at 60% of 30% AMI, and that was an extreme burden on developers as well as the homeowners themselves. Um, because of the very reasons that you state, the you know increased um, interest rates, increased ho- um, HOA fees, um, the, the, cost, the cost of insurance con- continuing to rise. And these development code changes create more flexibility in um, who is able to access these units. So we're providing options for the developers to um, provide units to people at higher incomes um, and not just very low income. Um, which will help them spread costs more effectively and more efficiently across projects.
4: Actually, that brings up one final question, and that is for projects that have been in the pipeline where an inclusionary requirement uh, has been imposed, do they then fall under these revisions or do they fall under what was specified at the time the requirement was imposed?
6: Typically, these requirements are imposed at the time of decision. <laughs> so whatever the policy is in place at the time of decision, um, that is what would be imposed on the project.
4: So
1: the we will be seeing the next meeting as part of the, the plat are, are an example of that. So, the
6: so these would not go into place until the Board of Supervisors adopt them, Um, if you choose to recommend that they do so um, at this meeting. And we intend to take that to the Board of Supervisors on September 12th.
1: So following up on what Don was saying, so the the four inclusionary units that we're going to be reviewing as part of the, the plat that's coming before us at the next meeting, I'm forgetting the name of it, they're, they're, they're in the old system, and you said that they even had a higher percentage of. Yeah, they're actually I would be a little bit years.
3: careful about discussing a, a future item today.
1: I don't yeah. want to discuss the future item. I'm just trying to understand this imposition. At the top, so I guess the question is that old projects are always going to be um, regulated by the date that the requirement was imposed.
3: Well, in, in in general, the the date that matters is the date that the application is deemed complete. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And and specifically, the development code says that whatever the regulations are, um, when it's the application is deemed complete, those are the regulations that apply. Yeah.
0: Commissioner Dickinson,
3: <laughs> I'm
4: sorry. Um, but then, in the case of a project that was approved in the past, um, and then now it's for sale units, and the the ability to afford the housing is so much different than it was in the past. The new um, uh, uh, the 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 sales price would be based on the current interest rates, right? So again, my example about how the developer subsidy could have doubled because of the rising interest rates. The um, the sales price is determined at the time of the sale and not going back to, to what it would have been at the time of the requirement, the approval.
7: The actual when the actual sales price is calculated is when the house is built or and sale. ready for sale. Okay. At that time, our um, administrator of the program, currently the housing authority, right. calculates based on the current. AMI level, um, median income level, and the interest rate, and so that calculation doesn't happen until the house is okay. ready to be sold. Okay. Anyone else have
0: questions? I I have some nits to pick, and uh, one nit to pick, and that is in the, in the definition, and it could just be because, um, you know, we don't have everything, but there's. Where it's, you know, some of these say J definitions, K definitions, L definitions. It's not, it doesn't seem to be consistent for every letter. And then there's some indents that are kind of off. So just, you know, a cleanup No. That's all I have. Uh, any further discussion?
4: Oh, discussion or we should take public testimony. Right. Or at least offer. Thank
0: you. Um, are there any members of the public that wish to address the commission on this item? Seeing none, I'm going to close the public testimony and now bring it back to the commission for further discussion. Thank you. Dawn. Thank you. Commissioner Dickinson.
4: I, actually, I'm pleased with the changes that you made, and I, I agree with your recommendations. I actually uh, like the use of the uh, term middle income rather than uh, 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 above moderate income because it's a new term. Someone would say, oh, I've never heard that before, and they'd have to look it up to see what it means as opposed to to just thinking of anything above the definition of moderate income. So I actually think that's very good. Um, uh, And I think the change to 35% for the ownership unit's percentage of household income is realistic. Um, And there was one... Um, under that section that I mentioned on page 11, I'm still not convinced that it should say construction and not building permit, because a lot of times there's a lot of preparation that has to happen that doesn't even involve planning. I mean, it's public works permits, it's environmental health permits, it's a septic permit that they've got to put in in advance, and I'm just not convinced that it makes sense to move it up to... The first construction permit.
7: One of the things that would be included in the affordable housing plan is the location of where the affordable units would be, and so as they're doing their site planning, that seems important that that be, you know, figured out at earlier in the project rather than later. So I think that that was one of the concerns around including it there. Um, It also could, you know, it can take a while to do the affordable housing plan. They need to make sure that they're clear on the affordability levels and that they're calculating all of that ahead of time. So.
1: I think I understand your concern, but I think looking at the language, it does say submit. It doesn't say that the affordable housing plan has to be approved yet. So that would get, there's still some flexibility there so that you would be able to. Evaluate the site planning, but if things did change or there was some uh, extenuating circumstances because of other permits, then there could be an adjustment. I, that's what okay. I'm.
4: In- I, actually, I think I'm convinced it's okay. okay.
1: I think the would submit solves that problem.
0: Any other discussion?
2: Just again, thanks staff for making the changes that we talked about. It looks great.
0: Mr. Thank you. Yeah, I think it also looks really good. But I want to clarify and talk along on what a commissioner, I'm sorry, I'm learning names still, <laughs> said. Um, so will we still have some flexibility to see on what those units will be placed, like the location and, um, yeah, mainly the location. And the reason that I say this is it tends to be that a lot of affordable housing, it's placed in locations where are not very prone um, to last for a long time. So if there is some flexibility, if we would we still have room to look at those plans and make decisions based on that, it would be amazing.
6: And, and that allows for, that. it's the submission of the plan that would then be evaluated by staff. And the general development codes require that units are dispersed throughout a project and not clustered, mm-hmm. um, such as to identify them as the inclusionary units or the low-income units. Um, but rather to create a truly integrated community. Um, And so that's the goal of the development code. Thank you.
0: Any other comments, questions, or actions that anyone wants to take? I'm looking for a motion.
2: I'd make the motion to uh, move the resolution proposed by staff.
3: Were there any changes that you want to include in the, in the motion for?
2: There, there
1: was one there were, small, uh, a couple of small yeah, wording were. changes. I don't recall them. Who made those?
2: Well, mm-hmm. we had the wording changing with the definition again, mm-hmm. and uh, so it would incorporate the changes that we did discuss uh, the board with staff.
3: Thank you.
7: Was that, just to clarify, was that also inclusive of the recommendation that Molly had up on the slide around the fee and moving that to consideration through the Board of Supervisors? Yes, but what you added a clarification.
2: I did, a clarification. I wanted to call
7: out that it would still be subject Subjected to adjustments.
2: That yeah. Yes, it mm-hmm. would be subject to that adjustment. Some new
6: language
1: for
2: that. Yes,
0: there is. Uh, okay, so Commissioner Stepansich has moved approval of the resolution. Do I have a second?
4: I'll second it.
0: Thank you. Um roll call? You want to? Bye. yeah.
4: yes
2: yes
0: yes 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 okay great moving on to item five thanks lily thanks molly Thank you so much. Thank you. Item five is a reconsideration of the subsequent mitigated NEG deck for the project and the consideration of the Brian Johnson Trust Coastal Permit, which is continued from our last hearing. Hi, Sabrina.
3: Um, Here once again.
5: (laughs) Here we are. are. Hey, good afternoon, Commissioners. Um, Hope everyone's doing well. Um, So as you said, we are here again from the last um, hearing, which was on August 14th. Um, 2023. Um, in the last hearing, a couple things happened. Um, your commission took a straw vote to approve the project after much deliberation. Um, and then, um, two. Um, your commission. Actually, let me go back to the straw vote. Um, so the straw vote. Um, there was a vote of five eyes and one no um, to approve the project. And then um, two, there was another vote to reconsider um, your commission's decision, um, which was done on July 31st, 2023, to deny the subsequent mitigated negative declaration for the project. Um, So that vote um, was five ayes and one no to reconsider that decision. So uh, we are here today. I don't have a presentation, but um, in the supplemental memorandum I provided to your commission, um, we have a few things there for you. Um, So there is a revised recommended resolution. Um, Last hearing, there was a request to um, revise the resolution to reflect the fact that the Stinson Beach County Water District's um, septic system variants had expired. So that has since been revised. Um, And uh, additionally with that, a condition of approval um, is recommended in the resolution to require that um, the applicant provide evidence that um, they have a septic system approval. Um, There are also some typographical um, changes to um, have some more clarity in the uh, resolution. And then um, what we also did was Um, Last time, there were requests to uh, revisit the um, mitigation um, on the project. One of the conditions of approval um, was to mitigate um, for dune restoration. Um, So we took a look at that. We've added um, to that condition of approval to include um, monitoring at year three um, after restoration has been put in. So um, before, it was just to check in, basically, at year five and ten. So we have since um, included to do monitoring at year three. And at that time, um, we would want um, a qualified biologist to go out there. And, um, you know, if restoration shows some failure, they would have to um, recommend a new timetable at that time and new provisions um, based on the performance standards. Um, so with all of that, um, staff is still recommending that you approve the project. So to kind of rehash what um, we're recommending that ED today is um, one, um, look at the reconsideration of the SMND. Um, so part of your packet also included two things. One was the... Um, The resolution to reflect the action taken on the 31st. So that's the (laughs) denial of the SMND. Um, So two, our recommendation is to adopt um, the revised SQL resolution, which um, proposes to adopt the SMND. Um, So once you take an action on the environmental review, um, our recommendation is to approve the project with all of the changes in the revised resolution. Jeremy, did you want to add anything?
3: No, that's good, uh, unless you have any questions. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Sabrina. Anybody have any questions for Sabrina? Commissioner Dickinson.
4: Um, first question I have is, have we had any communication from the Coastal Commission staff regarding this? I mean, the, the February letter or something was the last thing we received. Received from them
5: in terms of formal comments i have not received anything since then
4: and then my final question is regarding the process this is the coastal permit whatever decision the planning commission makes is appealable to the board is the board decision on the coastal commit appealable to the coastal commission and the coastal commission in their deliberation would have to make takings findings
5: I believe so. I as mean, part it's part of, of
4: our LCP, so I assume they would use the same policies. Yes. Okay, so ultimately they would be w- the ones that would be making the takings determination as to whether um, it would be a taking if you don't override um, LCP policies. Correct. Okay, thank you.
0: Any other questions for staff? Okay. Um, I'm going to open up the public comment portion of this item. Um, First, I think we'll hear from the applicant. Mr. Kinsey, you have 10 minutes.
8: Thank you. Uh, Steve Kinsey, representing uh, Brian Johnson and the other owners of 21 Calle de Londa. I appreciate this opportunity to speak with you. Um, We certainly appreciated your willingness to revisit this issue at your last hearing. Um, We are here to support the staff's recommendation, including the changes that require the additional monitoring of the um, uh, dune restoration plan over a series of years, up to 10 years. Um, The one, I would just use this opportunity to say that my understanding of the Coastal Commission procedures would be that if this is appealed to the Board of Supervisors and the Board of Supervisors approves the project and it's appealed to the Coastal Commission, the Commission has to, within their first next meeting, determine whether there's a substantial issue in the appeal. If they don't find substantial issue, then the, fi- the takings analysis of the county would stand. If they do find substantial issue, they would revisit the entirety of the project under the Coastal Act and a takings analysis would be in order. So, with that, I appreciate the time and encourage you to support the staff recommendation. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Mr. Kinsey. Um, Scott Tai, Surfrider Foundation. You have three minutes. Five minutes.
9: Okay, sorry. I'm an organization. Thank you. Thank you. Um, let me get my notes here. So, I was just able to see the uh, the new staff supplemental attachment. I wasn't able to find it online, and so I reviewed it. But I want to go back a little bit to um, November 2021, when. Three members of your commission, and then two of them aren't here. But there were three members of your commission at that time at that hearing, and that was a Zoom hearing, and I took notes. um, Brought up the question of taking because it was brought up then, and all three of them, particularly Don and Mr. Thoom, is it, um, who was a board member,
0: Aaron,
9: yeah, they asked the question: "Well, are there other alternatives?" Because I see in this latest report on the takings analysis, and I don't believe anybody um, is in a judicial position of doing a takings analysis. They're all planners. Um, They asked the question, could there be other uses of the property that would fulfill the owner's ability to enjoy that property or sell it? And that has not been asked or answered anywhere in this latest rendition since 2021. So I believe there is a big hole there. Um, I also want to say, and I've said it twice before, that if this is a supplemental review, environmental review, and I went to the supplemental environmental review portal of, of CEQA, the reality is you have to look at the original water district one and since they no longer have a permit really that that negative deck initial study is no longer valid because the conditions on the ground have changed the land has changed the lot size has changed and until we get new surveys and new abilities to look and see well, what is being given by the applicant to to public access to easement all those issues that are brought up in there we have no idea of knowing what's been given to whom and how the reality is if you look at your picture which you all have you all have a picture of the supplemental review and the story poles and the nice German shepherd there the ocean came back past those story poles and that dune is no longer there meaning that The inner tidal is now flushing back and forth. And it's not just, as Mr. Kinsey alluded to, how the beach comes back. It's not the summer inner tidal, it's the storm inner tidal, it's the run up of waves. So I really believe that there are many appealable points here um, because what we have is we have a picture of some of the facts, but not all of the facts. I just want to tell you that the the engineers that looked at this wastewater permit, and you guys keep talking about the water district I was a board member of that water district. the water district did a very extensive review of simply the wastewater system. There was no analysis of biology, there was no analysis of ashes, there was none of that, and they made it very clear that that isn't their preview but The letters from the engineer who engineered that system to the district engineer stated he was unsure of the setback benchmarks to the 100-foot water setback, and it must be designed by a structural engineer to withstand probable wave force. That's pretty clear. The district has decertified 11 wastewater permits since the January storm. And the Coast Commission has denied one of those people who lost their septic system, literally lost it behind a seawall and are not willing to let her build more seawall and reestablish that system. So I think you realize conditions are changing. The last thing I want to do is talk about Eshes because back in 2021, uh, Chris Dressler, suggested that there could be other public uses of that land. That was her statement at that hearing. Don also agreed with that. So, again, you must begin to ask the question, has the full potential of that lot, of that land, been explored through a takings analysis? Thank you. Thank you,
0: Mr. Ty. Uh, Ms. Brickes.
10: Thank you, Elizabeth Breckis, on behalf of the Seraphians. Um, the Coastal Commission has been following this project, and they've been following it since 2016, with multiple letters in the record. The most recent letter was uh, March 16, 2021, uh, and I want to quote from uh, that letter. They write, It appears that a portion of the proposed development would be located within ESHA and related ESHA buffers inconsistent with the lcp further the extent of dune habitat isha on the property appears to extend further inland than what is depicted in the environmental assessment and they're referring to the 2019 wra report that you're relying on uh the second point they make is regarding sea level rise hazards and shoreline protection and they write the Marin lcp states that development on all lots in the kia's neighborhood of simpson beach must be supported by analysis of the potential hazards present on the site. And I wanna remind you that um, regarding that hazards, there's been this very significant incident of flooding and we know what happened. There was widespread failure of septic systems there and the subsequent analysis that has been provided to you and is inadequate is that somebody showed up on the site two weeks after the flooding and they saw no evidence of flooding on that site. I mean, that analysis just doesn't pass any kind of sensible uh, or reasonable interpretation of what should be done to analyze the hazards. Um, Additionally, this is what the Coastal Commission has said. They say the Marin LCP prohibits shoreline protective devices, including, and they give a list of them, uh, including seawalls. And they write, the proposed project appears to include large concrete retaining walls, and deep piers to protect both the home and the septic system, which would alter natural shoreline processes inconsistent with the Marin LCP requirements. So that's their analysis. They've given that information to you. I'm concerned, I think people should be concerned that, you know, Marin County was without a development code for so long and finally was able to get one with the blessing of the Coastal Commission, and then this project just doesn't seem to comply with it. Regarding the takings analysis, I want to remind you that one of our letters uh, provided some information following up on Scott's point about properties that have sold in Bolinas without a water meter. And so there is uh, a reasonable evaluation that could be had here for this project property. Additionally, um, there, the analysis by staff flips it on its head. It says, you know, there's been no contrary analysis of the value of this property um, as if the burden is on the public and people who have no interest in this project to come up and disprove the claimed value that the owner puts forth with no evidence, no substantiating evidence of what they have done to invest in this property or what, what amount of money they have invested. In fact, uh, what's before you is that the homeowner attempted to subdivide this lot in 1979 and build a single family residence or a duplex, and they were denied that, and that's actually in your resolution. And it's confusing why um, we heard at the last meeting that the lots were combined. That was the first time there was any mention of the lots being combined. Likewise, we have put it before you that the assessor's map shows that this was a 450 square foot um, uh, home on it before with a deck, So we don't know the size of the residence, but we know it was 450 with the deck. And instead, we hear this other number that's 540 square feet. Or for that matter, this property is always being called as, we're developing a 1,200-square-foot residence. It's 1,296, so we're going to estimate, we probably should say that it's more likely a uh, 1,300-square-foot residence. And I just feel like some of these facts are being lost or not being carefully analyzed. And probably it's because this project has been going on for so many years that it feels like there is not a desire to chase down the actual facts. And that's a shame because um, this is going to be a precedent for future projects. And um, it will be pointed to as to the fact that it got a real pass on a lot of these um, uh, analyses that we are required to do. Thank you.
0: Uh, If there's anyone else who wants to address the commission, now is the time. Okay, I'm going to close public comment and bring it back to the commission. Anybody have any comments? Um, Questions? Discussion? Commissioner Dickinson.
4: Well, I am actually at the same point I was at uh, in previous discussions about this. And I did read back through the... um, the resolution, and I appreciate the fact that even though I didn't, uh, I indicated last time I didn't support the resolution, that the correction was made to the septic permit information to show that it had now expired. But I went back and read through the uh, section of the resolution having to do with takings analysis um, to see what is actually before us. And it says a development that is not consistent with the LCP may, and I stress may. Allowed not shall or will or should or any of those other words um, may be allowed on the property to avoid a taking, provided such development is as consistent as possible with all applicable policies and is a minimum amount of development necessary to avoid a taking as determined through the taking analysis. And that's where I think this process has failed using the the amended, mitigated, negative declaration, you avoid the review of alternatives. It would have occurred through a more complete environmental analysis. I'm not at all convinced this is a minimum um, use that um, is required to avoid a taking. I think as we talked about in t- 2021, I guess, that there were um, other possible uses that had never even been considered, um, and anyway, I uh, at this point cannot support either the amended mitigated negative declaration nor the resolution um, uh, making to a fi- to a pr- making the findings required to approve this project when it is so contrary to a number of important. Environmental policies from the local coastal plan, including, well, in in addition to the LCP, the fact that there's a moratorium on the location where the uh, septic system is proposed to be built now. But I mean, it is a sensitive area. I think it actually has significant potential precedent-setting implications. Um, This is a uh, environment that is changing, maybe changing more rapidly than some people thought, and um, I think our policies were conservative because um, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. And uh, anyway, at this point, I d- d- I cannot make the findings to approve this project. Still, cannot make the findings. You, sorry, you're. I, I'm just
0: going to ask you a question. What uh, I understand your takings analysis point and you your objection to the MND is based on what? Did you say that already?
8: Pardon me?
0: Your objection to the MIT, to the mitigated NEGDAC is based that on... By
4: doing that, you're avoiding the alternative analysis that would occur through environmental review. There would have to be an independent alternative analysis in terms of could you at least reduce the inconsistencies with the LCP policies? And are there alternatives that... that, that um, uh, realistically could occur to this project. And it clearly, um, Mr. Kinsey has clearly improved the project um, during the during the um, period mm-hmm. of these hearings, um, reduced or increased the setback from the actual um, beach, the water line, um, reduced the size of the project, so it's better than where it started. But I just am still not at the point where I can make the findings that are required and this is the first or second time that we've actually had to deal with this and that's why i mean the, the comments from the coast commission that's their last word and i rely on them they deal with this kind of issue uh, uh, far more frequently than we have had to um,
0: anyone else have any comments
2: Hi. Few comments for myself here is that I think this is the Coastal Act really puts a, us in a very difficult position of deciding what is the taking here, and I would agree that it's very difficult to get to that precise line where it's crossed as what constitutes a taking in this case. Um, however, what affects my thinking here is number one is that in my mind there's no doubt that if we denied a a, a single-family home at this location, I think there would be a taking and therefore would then what should be the appropriate house to be built there and looking at all the changes that have taken place over time here I have to say I would not have approved any of the other earlier versions uh, but now since the garage has been deleted it's only one story and uh, it is placed on piers. as I understand the subsequent um, environmental review is that it will not uh, uh, significantly impact the wave action under the house. Um, at this point i'm inclined to and i will support the approval of the project uh, as currently conditioned
0: anyone else so just let
1: me, i just wanted to say that my concern was the restoration plan for the dunes and i think that has been adequately addressed and i appreciate the staff's changes and i
0: will support the project Um, I'm inclined to agree with Commissioner Stepanicic.
8: The
0: um, minimum amount of development I feel is a little bit above our pay grade. And if the LCP, I mean, if the California Coastal Commission um, or the supervisors want to take that up, great. Um, <clears throat> um, as far as uh, alternative analyses um, are concerned or for the mitigated negative deck, I feel like. I agree with with Commissioner Stepanasech that that the project has been significantly reduced and put on piers, and that gives me a little bit more confidence about this particular property. So with that, um, if anyone has any other comments, otherwise I'm prepared to entertain. And the first, maybe we should do a straw poll first um, because we need to take these resolutions in order. First is to... Uh, vote on the resolution about the mitigated negative deck. Um, uh, staff is recommending approval uh, following our initial rejection of it on July 31st. We voted on August 14th to look at that again. Um, so, do I have uh, a motion or further discussion about the resolution on the uh, recommending approval of the mitigated negative deck?
2: Well, I'd be uh, willing to uh, make a motion to uh, to adopt the resolution um, which uh, approves or adopts the subsequent mitigated negative declaration for the project. I'll
0: mm-hmm. we'll second. Okay. Okay. Commissioner Stipanisic moved and Commissioner Lind seconded. Um, let's just go straight to a roll call vote, please.
4: No.
2: Yes.
0: Commissioner
2: Perrin? Commissioner Zepanisic? Yes. Commissioner Morales? No.
0: Yes. OK, so the next that passes, the next uh, order of business is to review the um, resolution approving the Johnson Trust Coastal Permit. Um, Do I have a recommendation on that
2: resolution? I'll make the resolution to, uh, or I I, I move that the resolution approving uh, the Johnson Trust Coastal Permit be approved.
0: Second. Seconded. Can we have a roll call vote again, please, Cindy? Thank you. No. Commissioner
4: Besser. Yes. Commissioner Farran? Commissioner Capanisich? Yes. Commissioner Morales? No. Commissioner
0: B. Yes. Pardon? No CPO. Ah yes. Thank you. Okay, so appeal is ten. Okay, um, this may be appealed no later than 10 working days from today. And with that, I think that ends our agenda for today's meeting. Just a
9: point of order, are you, you're not counting the holiday on Monday, that's Monday, right? Correct, so,
0: yes, right, yeah. thank you. And with that, I think we are adjourned. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Don. It's been a couple years. Yeah.
3: No really. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Can you sit yeah, just to uh, give us a brief aim and start okay. a bit actually so. I was
3: a-